May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just the words we all need to hear. The Wizard of Oz, one of our favorite movies. It's Shelley's favorite movie. It's my second favorite movie. So we enjoy watching it from time to time. Remember at the end of the movie, Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion are back from their mission of capturing the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. And they've completed their mission for the wizard. And now they want the wizard to make good on his promise. And that is, he said that he would grant all three of their wishes. Then they found out that the wizard really can't grant wishes. But he doesn't really need to anyway, because all three of Dorothy's friends discover that they already have the qualities that they've been looking for all along. They just didn't know it. So the great and mighty Oz bestows upon the scarecrow a diploma. He says, therefore, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the, by the Universitatis Comitium e Pluribus Unum, I hereby confer upon you the honorary degree of THD. That's Doctor of Thinkology. And then the cowardly lion gets a medal, and the wizard says, therefore, for meritorious conduct, extraordinary valor, conspicuous bravery against wicked witches, I award you the triple cross, you are now a member of the Legion of Courage. And then the Tin Man gets a big red heart-shaped watch made of metal that hangs from the end of a golden chain. A ticking clock is in the center of the heart. And the wizard said, good deed-doers have one thing you haven't got, a testimonial. Therefore, in consideration of your kindness, I take pleasure at this time in presenting you with a small token of our esteem and affection. They all thought they were missing something. Intelligence, courage, and a sensitive heart. But they all three were wrong. Each of them proved that they had the qualities that they were searching for inside them from the very beginning. They just didn't look deep enough. Sometimes we do that, I think, with our faith and with our spiritual stuff that we need for us to live a faithful life. Maybe we don't think we have what it takes to do what God has called us to do. But after listening to this morning's readings from, from Ephesians, how can we say that we don't have what it takes to do what God has called us to do when it's clear that God has, quote, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Notice it's not just one or two but every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. That's what we're called to remember. As we look at these spiritual blessings today, let's remember we are three things. We are blessed, we are adopted, and we are sealed. First of all, you and I are very blessed, aren't we? We are blessed in Christ. We're blessed in every spiritual blessing, according to verse 1. God chose us and created us to be holy, blameless, and loved in his eyes. God saved us through the blood of Christ. We are part of the inheritance. 
We are each an heir to the kingdom. How blessed we are. Sometimes all we have to do is look a little deeper, like the scarecrow and the tin man and the cowardly lion. Just look deeper and remember, hear the promises that God has made us. She were, there, there was a, a lady named Anna, Annie Graham Lotz, who is an author and a minister. Her house was broken into years ago. And when they came in and broke into her house, they took everything that was of any real value. And the night after the break-in, when she was home, she lay in bed awake. She was afraid, she said. Not only, if that's for me, I'm busy right now. But she laid at home alone, afraid. Not only had they taken her valuable possessions, but they also took her sense of security. She worried about all the other precious things in her life that she could lose besides those things. She could lose her children. She thought, I could lose my husband. I could lose my health. I could lose my job. I could lose my finances. Even, it would be possible that I might even lose my reputation. And just as anxiety was about to take over, she remembered these words from Scripture out of 1 Peter that say, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. I hope you listened to those words because it's about you. We have an inheritance that cannot be taken away from us. God has granted it to us. And he says that then she sat down and she made an alphabetical list of all the eternal blessings that cannot be taken away from her or away from any of us. Listen to some of the items on her list. Accepted by God. B, beloved by God. C, chosen by God. Delivered by God. Enlightened by God. Forgiven by God. She said, I have grace of God. Hope for the future. Inheritance in heaven. Justification. Knowledge of God. Love. Mercy of God. Nearness to God. Oneness with God. Peace. Quickening of the Spirit. I am redeemed. Seated, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Treasured by God. United with other believers validated as an authentic child of God. I have God's wisdom, and one day I will be exalted with God. What a beautiful way of saying that we are blessed with an inheritance. Incorruptible means nobody can touch it. Nobody can take away, take it away from us, and it can never be destroyed. Remember, first of all, we are blessed Also, we are adopted. You and I are the children of God. Over and over again, the scripture tells us that we belong to God. Over and over again, scripture talks about our inheritance. Through Jesus, we have been made heirs of the kingdom. We've been adopted by God, and we are children of God. It doesn't make any difference how different we might be. When we put our faith in Christ, we are heirs of the kingdom of God. We are adopted and we become God's children. And we need to remember that. 
Here's something that I ran across this week. It's titled, I am God's child. I am God's child. Yes, I am God's child. I may be young, I may be old, I may be hot, I may be cold, but I am God's child. I am God's child. I may be educated, I may be unlettered, I may be free, or I may be fettered, but I am God's child. Yes, I am God's child. I may be black, I may be brown, I may be white, I may even be a clown, but I am God's child. Yes, I am God's child. I may be rich, I may be poor, I may wear a brace, I may even snore, but I am God's child. I am God's child. I may be short, I may be tall, I may have hair, I may be bald, but I am God's child. I am God's child. I may be fat, I may be skinny, I may have muscles or not have any, but I am God's child. Yes, I am God's child. I may have a family, I may be alone, I may be married, I may be divorced, but I am God's child. Yes, I am God's child. I may live in a house, I may live in a trailer, I may be successful, I may be a failure, but I am God's child. Yes, I am God's child. I may be a sinner, I may be a saint, but a nobody I certainly ain't, because my friend Jesus is my Savior, and I am God's child. Yes, I am God's child. I think we covered the whole congregation there, didn't we? You are God's child. You are rooted and grounded in love through faith in Christ. Remember, we are blessed. We are adopted. And finally, we also need to remember that we are sealed. We mark that seal with the water of our baptism, the profession of our faith. In our church, we call it confirmation. When our young people come stand before the congregation and declare that they've put their trust and faith in Jesus. And we're also sealed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You might say that our baptism, our profession of, of faith, or our confirmation, and the presence of God's Holy Spirit are sort of like God's housekeeping seal of approval. The world offers lots of seals of approval, lots of certificates, lots of uh, diplomas, lots of uh, com completion uh, awards of different sorts. And the seal that we receive tells us that we are good enough. That we, when, I, when I receive a certificate for a course that I've taken, it tells me that I've passed that course, that I'm good enough, that I'm approved, that I'm okay. I've, I've, I understand the material in that course. And there's a difference with the seal of God's Holy Spirit, and that is not that we're just good enough, but we're great in the eyes of God. But God's measuring stick is different than the world's. God's purpose is different than the rest of the world. God calls us to be part of that purpose. And when we say yes to God through our baptism, through our confirmation, our profession of faith, and to living a life of faith, we're sealed, we're marked as God's own child a child of the kingdom. So remember, we're blessed, we're adopted, and we're sealed. But you might ask, why? Why are all those things true? Well, verse 12 in today's reading says, so that we who set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In other words, bringing glory to God through our lives is part of our ongoing praise to him. That means that everything we do 
when we do it, we do our best to bring glory to God. And it's an act of praise. It, that's why I say I am no more important than anybody else in this congregation or any other friend of, the, of this church who is, who is involved and is part of it. Because as long as you do what you do, whether it's sweeping the floor or whether it's standing in the pulpit, it makes no difference. As long as you do the best, the very best you can do to bring honor and glory to God, you have succeeded and you're doing it right. That's the life of a good steward. That's what stewardship is about. A steward is someone, as I said to the kids, who cares for the possessions of another. Stewardship is the how of that caring, how we do it. As Christians, we believe that everything we have and everything we are belongs to God. Because we believe that, we see ourselves as stewards of God's stuff. As I said again to the kids, God lends it to us for a little while. I don't care how fancy your car is. I don't care how beautiful your house is. I don't care how great your vacations are. All that stuff is going to be gone one day. You're, you're going to leave it behind. You're only borrowing it for a little while. So how we use those gifts that God gave us, those gifts of life, of faith, those gifts of the talents that we have, the abilities we have, those gifts of money, emotions, family, friends, our church, the world, the earth, the environment, all of those things God has placed under our care. And how we manage them reflects how well we're doing our job as stewards. How we live and what we do with what God has given us is our stewardship. When we are good stewards, it says, then we who were the first to set our hope on Christ live for the praise of his glory. Remember, we're blessed, we're adopted, we're sealed so that we can live for the praise of God's glory. One pastor tells a story about a man that he'll never forget. He called this man Old John. This pastor was just beginning his ministry as an associate. He was 19 years old. John was in his 60s and was a new member of the church. And since he hadn't been in church all of his life, he really didn't know much about the routine events that happened during worship. And so as time went on, the pastor and his wife befriended John. And so John would go and old John would go and sit by the pastor's wife. Her name was Judy. And every Sunday morning, sitting next to the pastor's wife, whenever he didn't understand something that was going on, he would lean over and ask Judy for help. But he always spoke in a very loud voice because he, was, uh, he, he didn't hear very well. And so he spoke loudly and everyone in the place heard him. One of his favorite memories of old John was one Sunday morning, the pastor had his routine during the offering and old John had the same had a routine as well. The pastor would say, now it's time to honor the Lord and to give our offerings. And then he would start to pray and the church would be quiet and he would be praying and right on schedule, John would every week shout out his question to Judy. How much should I give? Well, most Sundays, she'd just pat him on the shoulder and say, just give what you can, John. Just give what you can. 
But Judy had a great sense of humor, and one Sunday morning she decided to give him a different answer. And when John shouted out, how much should I give, Judy said, give it all, John, give it all. Well, the congregation all laughed, but old John didn't hear that or ignored it if he did, because he was serious about his question. And he emptied his wallet into the offering plate as it came by with a big smile on his face. He gave it all. The thing that strikes me is that old John was asking one of the most important questions that a Christian can ask. How much should I give? What does the Bible say about giving and about stewardship that applies to us today? Well, it tells us to remember that as I like to say here often, God loves a cheerful giver. The scriptures tell us to remember to look deep enough. Go deep. It tells us to remember who we are and whose we are. It tells us also to remember our inheritance and our family relationship, that we're part of a family and we take care of one another. And part of the way that we do that is through our funds that we provide in the offering. It tells us to remember that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. It tells us to remember that we are blessed, adopted, and sealed, as we just talked about. It tells us to remember also to live for his praise, for the praise of his glory. Consider some of these things. How much should you give? That's between you and God. That's not... There's no number. I don't believe there's a number in the scriptures that applies today. I believe there's no, there are some numbers to be found there. But that's in the Old Testament, and things were, were done differently back then. But it's between you and God. If you choose to use that 10% of your income number, good for you. That's wonderful. But if you choose to give 5%, that's fine too. But pray about it. Ask God what God would have you to do. Think on it. Consider all these things. This is Stewardship Sunday. I don't talk much about money from the pulpit because our people are faithful and good and, and generous. But if you're in a place where you believe you can possibly increase your giving a little bit, then I would encourage you to do that. And I will promise you something. And I will promise it with authority because I'm talking from my own experience. If you give a little more, God will give it back. You will get it back in another way. I promise you that. It will happen. It's never once failed in my life that I've upped my giving to the church and to other charities that it hasn't come back to me several times over. So keep that in mind as you consider. And then you do what you know is right in your own heart. Amen.